today on Ag News Daily. Well, it was a quieter day for the livestock market. They finished a little lower. Last week, we had amazing cash prices. Well, listeners, welcome to April. April 3rd, 2023. Tanner and Delaney. we got to bring the latest headlines today and then get us a market update for you on this Monday episode. How's Delaney doing? I'm good, Tanner. Did you have a nice, warm weekend? Oh, we did. It still was really windy uh, yes. as far as things go. But yes, we had a we had a great weekend. A lot of family in town. Uh, enjoyed. Did your husband play any April Fool's jokes on you? No, I kind of forgot that it was April Fool's this weekend, to be honest. But I was looking at a post on Instagram and it got me. It had like some sort of little joke thing tied into it. And I kept clicking on it and it wasn't working. And then I realized it's April Fool's. Well, we announced on the Farm for Profit podcast Saturday morning that as of the end of April, April 31st would be Mm -hmm. our final episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, that did not go over very well. I mean, it went over extremely well. Uh, A ton of impressions and views. We've deleted that post because it was, in fact, an April Fool's joke. But you got them good. Oh, yeah. It was. uh, I don't know if we fully expected the number of text messages and emails we would get. just due to the minor details, but uh, it was fun in our household having young girls and their little April Fool's jokes. That's true. I didn't even think about that. It was always fun when you were little to try and trick your parents or your teachers or your friends. I feel like as you get older, it's less fun. You don't think about doing it as much. That's correct. Yes, exactly. But What's not a joke, though, is the blizzard warnings that we have for a lot of our friends again in the northern United States. You're looking at much of southwestern North Dakota, most of South Dakota, parts of Nebraska, western and central South Dakota seas. Warnings that are going to start around 6 p.m. tonight and will continue for two days. As much as 20 inches of snow are expected in these areas. Storms are likely to bring higher amounts, possibly in isolated areas. But the wind, Delaney, is going to be the big issue, up to 50 mile per hour gusts. We head south. And we still have our red flag warnings. They've been issued for parts of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Winds there will uh, exceed 20 to 35 miles per hour with gusts up to 65. Their relative humidity is extremely low, which makes high-end dangerous wildfires a potential. So hopefully we don't have to report on any of those tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? I realized as you were talking through weather that I did have a tumultuous weekend, Tanner, because on Friday we had all of those storms, the tornadoes that were sweeping through central Iowa. And I was on the road, not really paying attention or realizing that we were in a tornado effect or tornado watch. And I had to hang out for a while in the bathroom of a quick star for about 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was something. But I didn't realize there were nearly 1400 storms reported over the weekend with severe damage, including 100 tornadoes, which happened to be right where I was there in central Iowa, as well as the Southern Plains, a widespread dust storm. We saw fires in Oklahoma and blizzards in the Northern Plains. So it was a pretty big weather weekend for us. Yeah, it was. It just seems like weather's going to play a pretty large part in our headlines here as we come about, because we're continuing to see discussions already of prevented plant acres. Mm -hmm. The question is, are we actually going to get those 92 million acres of corn planted? That is projected. Of course, that came out of the prospective plantings report on Friday, corn at 91.9 million, soybeans 87.51, wheat just shy of 50 million. And we're pointed right now to our friends in the Dakotas and Minnesota. Of course, 
Some are saying that those acres don't amount to a lot as far as yield goes, but Delaney, those acres are still factored into that 92 million. They are. And a big reason we might see some prevent plants is because we saw such a wet March season. It's been one of the wettest for quite a few states in the eastern Corn Belt, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, which was published last Thursday. Illinois, Ohio, Indiana and Wisconsin are totally free of drought as we roll into the month of April here. But now they're almost getting too much wet weather, Tanner, which might make planting a problem like you're saying there. Yes, you're right. That's a. Uh... Certainly something, again, like we said, we're going to hit a lot probably this summer, the way headlines and the season are starting to shape up. What's your first headline for the day, Delaney? Well, outside of weather, Tanner, we've got another company that is following Cargill's steps in exporting Russian grain. It's kind of a domino effect here, Tanner, as we suspected it might be. But Louis Dreyfus has announced they will officially stop exporting grain from Russia as of July 1st. That was released by the company in a statement here today on Monday. They said in their letter that Louis Dreyfus will cease grain exports from Russia starting July 1, 2023, as grain export challenges continue to increase in the country. And they're also assessing options for the transfer of new owners of their existing Russian business and grain assets. I believe Louis Dreyfus also has a stake in a couple of different ports in the Black Sea region. And so I'm guessing that's what they're referring to there as suggesting of finding new owners and assets for their Russian business, Tanner. But I think we're going to see quite a few other country, uh, companies do this as well. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see as this ongoing onslaught uh, happens between Russia and Ukraine and how Russian relationships are continuing to deteriorate. Looks like McDonald's might have deteriorating relationships with hundreds of employees. The number of corporate employees McDonald's Corp plans to lay off this week are in the hundreds, says a source familiar with the company. The fast food company stated in January it would be look at restructuring its corporate headquarters. McDonald's does employ more than 150,000 employees globally, with about 70 based outside of the United States, including company-owned restaurants. The layoffs do not include franchised workers, as those franchises are continued to main, maintained underneath that structure. As they look through this, there's even discussions delaying that these workers will be given promotions just ahead of their layoff to get them into new roles. McDonald's employees will have new roles this week, receiving promotions prior to their layoff. This is meant to help restore and protect the dignity of their individuals. It has also helped to make sure that these employees don't leave with their head down. But the questions and why this ties to our listeners is, will this create an issue for ag products? Is McDonald's demand and other fast food restaurants demand slowing to where the second rate products coming out of our packing, all for poultry, pork and beef, will we see a lack of demand for the potential supply that is coming through that chain? So we'll continue to monitor that and see if McDonald's is just the tip of the iceberg and if other fast food franchises will begin to do layoffs as well. Well, Tanner, I've got to update our listeners on a story that I don't think I fully realized when I was reporting on it last week, uh, the brevity of the actual situation. So as I shared last week, Argentina has been dealing with quite a bit of inflation as well as some interesting exchange rates because they've got kind of their 
quote unquote, normal market dollar price, and then they have the black market peso price. Well, I also indicated that perhaps they were going to look at launching, you know, a peso or a a currency that revolved around agriculture, but I thought that was just a hypothetical. However, it appears today that Argentina is actually going to launch a new, what they're calling soy dollar which is going to have preferential exchange rate for farm exports, according to a spokesperson from their economy ministry on Monday. They said this is going to help boost agricultural shipments and increase the depleted foreign reserves in their central bank. This is a big announcement, Tanner, and is supposed to largely help their agricultural uh, industry, as we know that's one of the largest that Argentina has to offer. And it's supposed to potentially kind of stabilize their agricultural market as the currency continues to float up and down. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how this gets rolled out. We don't really know the plan yet. We do know that the International Monetary Fund on Saturday approved changes to Argentina's reserves. And so it sounds like the wheels are in motion. Wow. Yeah, I I don't think I understood the brevity of that conversation as of last week either. And I kind of feel bad for not diving into that deeper myself. But it looks like the USDA is continuing to step forward. They have now announced there will be $1 billion in grants available to help farmers and rural small businesses install renewable energy systems. This is a task towards making the country more energy efficient. These improvements on their property would lead towards that. Of course, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack made this announcement. The USDA will cover up to 50% of the costs with a project's uh, grant maximum of $1 million. This will be facilitated through the Rural Energy for America program. Supporting renewable energy and energy saving systems is vital to protecting the people of our rural economy. The USDA opened the REAP application window on Saturday with plans to hold quarterly competitions for funding through September 30th. Funding for the grants comes as part of the 2022 Climate, Health, and Tax Law. The government said that it will continue to invest in projects as such and will continue to use the USDA as a mechanism for this. I know, Delaney, when we talked to our listeners uh, on both podcasts that the possibility of use for these funds does fit in far as grain storage and shop efficiency. So if our listeners are looking at any upgrades, maybe a REAP grant could be an option. But Tanner, in some other energy-related news, we got a surprising announcement here from OPEC Plus as they have once again cut oil output. And that has spurred inflation talk once again for folks on Wall Street. Now, this is coming a little bit as a surprise because as we know, OPEC has cut production continuously here since about November. And they cut that production once again here today, which really pushed markets open higher. Some analysts are suggesting we could even see crude oil prices get back to hundred dollars per barrel, Tanner, which of course would be reflected for consumers at the pump as well. But OPEC today, nonetheless, cut output by another 1.6 million barrels, more than half of that coming from Saudi Arabia. But that brings total output cuts since November to about 3.66 million barrels per day, which really is raising fears of tightness in supplies and some speculation that the cartel wants to see prices in the 90 to $100 per barrel range. But 
this is certainly kind of shocking the system for a lot of traders who were starting to get comfortable with the fact that Powell was suggesting we really wouldn't see any more or see any major rate hikes this year. And next year, you know, we'd start to come back down. This is really calling into question whether or not that's going to remain the case. Yeah, there's so much uncertainty right now. And if you look at the polls, uh, as far as where people feel it's headed, there's been no more of a, uh, uncertainty than there has been now throughout this entire rate hike environment. So we'll again continue to watch that. I've just got some quick headlines on uh, Russia, Ukraine. We see here that Finland is officially becoming a member of NATO, the military alliance, due through a ceremony in Brussels tomorrow. Finland submitted their joint application for membership alongside Sweden right after Russia invaded Ukraine. Poland is delivering more MiG-29 fighter aircrafts to Ukraine this week. Uh, President Zelensky is expected to visit and thank Poland on Wednesday. There is a Wall Street Journal reporter that is currently detained in Moscow that the U.S. is calling for immediate release as the charges are for espionage. And uh, they're appealing those as it states. And then, of course, Ukraine is continuing to get uh, almost relentless attacks from uh, Russian assaults. It looks like the eastern side continues to face the most constraints. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that as well, Delaney. But that's the last I had for news today. Well, Tanner, I think I am out of news as well. So what do you say we hop into chat markets? Let's see what you got. Well, Tanner, after last week's roller coaster in the grain markets, after the prospective plantings report, we've started to see things come back down a little bit in the corn markets, but soybeans are still pushing ahead. May corn today closed down two and three quarters cents at 657 and three quarters. New crop corn added a penny at 567 and a half. May soybeans today added 16 and a half cents to close at 1522. November new crop beans added 13 pennies today to close at 1332 and three quarters. In the hard red May winter wheat contract down two and a half cents on the day at eight 875 and a quarter and hopping over to take a look at livestock markets today they finished red across the board april live cattle excuse me june live cattle down 90 cents today at a buck 61 22 and a half may feeders down two dollars 10 cents at 203.15 and may lean hogs lost a quarter today to close at 84.37 and a half tanner let's kick it over to our market monday conversation with neil Well, Tanner, I'm super excited today to chat with Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing Senior Market Analyst there for TFM because we had a big report last week that kind of shook things up in the market. And as we were sharing earlier, we've got a lot of big headlines today with OPEC and weather and all those good things. So Naomi, certainly excited to have you on and chat today. And I think we've got to start with last week's reports, especially because they were so bullish for the soybean markets. That seemed like a big shock to traders. Yes, it was um, friendly in all aspects. The quarterly stocks number came in a little bit lower than expectations. Uh, the acres number coming in on that lower side. So definitely supportive for both old crop and the new crop. So Naomi, where do we go from here? I mean, you know, Tanner and I were just re reporting earlier in the podcast about potentially having some prevent plant acres. We've got a lot of interesting weather patterns going on right now across the country. Do you think we're going to see a big uptick in prevent plant. And where do you think these acres that shifted in the report are coming from? Well, you know, looking at corn and beans, um, it's, it's just pretty interesting to note that 
Um, you're right, you hit the nail on the head as far as prevent plant acres. Heading into this report, the thought would be everything would have the opportunity to get planted. Um, that was before all this extra snowfall had come into the Dakotas, along with that new storm system had coming there this week. They're supposed to get another foot to two feet of snow. And North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, just inundated with that snow cover and, and just barely a warm up in sight. So for the corn market, I know that of the 3 million acres that were increased over last year, a million of it is supposed to come from the Dakotas and Minnesota. So the market is already starting to kind of question that a little bit. Um, you know, it, it just makes you think, well, early plant is not going to be possible, but will they be able to get it planted on time? So that's um, supporting both corn and beans overall. Um, and, and the other thing too, with, with the corn market right now, we're starting to focus our attention again on South America and Brazil and that second crop corn, you know, they always have that potential to let it be a huge crop or a record crop. But of course, you need Mother Nature to cooperate with that as well. Seasonally, I think traders are also quite aware that new crop corn and new crop beans have a pretty strong tendency to work higher from April 1st until the summer high. And just keep in mind, the summer high can usually be in um, late May to early June. So we're going to most likely have opportunities for higher prices. But when those high prices come, it's going to be when farmers are busiest in the fields. So you got to be on your toes to make sure that you're going to be able to capture those higher prices when they come. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice for our listeners just to kind of always be on their toes. Some other headlines that I've kind of tracked going through the weekend is, are we seeing seasonably lower exports or how are we seeing right now our volume match up to typical years? Uh, well, for soybeans, and then I'll go into corn, our export sales are actually at 90% of USDA projections, which is normal. And our export inspections, so what's actually has left the country um, as of last week, our soybean export inspections were at 82% of USDA projections, and they were ahead of the five-year average. The five-year average was 72%. So the beans are sold, and they are moving on out. And then over to corn, for corn export sales, thanks to all that China, that uh, all that buying that China did over the past couple of weeks, we actually are at 76% of the current USDA projection. Normally we're at 81%. So our corn export sales have really, really caught up. Now, keep in mind, we are going to be exporting less than year ago levels, but hey, at least we're caught up to where we ought to be. And in terms of our inspections was actually left the country as of last week, we were at 38% of USDA projections, and the five-year average is around 46%. So it's, it's encouraging news, and um, I think just a good sign that demand has picked up and, and, and is not a negative component anymore or a fear component. We are back on track. Naomi, one thing that doesn't seem on track has been Russian exports as we're continuing to see more and more companies, it seems like, come to the table and say, hey, we're going to limit exports on Russian grain starting July 1. Is the market factoring that in every time we hear a fresh announcement of a company saying they're going to be following suit? I think we are. I think that's the reason why nearby May Chicago wheat is having a hard time getting above seven bucks and staying above seven bucks. 
Um, I think that's a huge factor. The funds still have their thumb on the sell button, and we need them to have a reason to exit those short positions and start buying it back again. The Kansas wheat and Minneapolis wheat both got up to $9 earlier today, but really are going to have a hard time staying above $9 without some additional fresh news. So the market knows for the Kansas wheat, it's been hot, dry, parched soils. For the spring wheat, the market is aware that we got to melt all that snow in the Dakotas. So we're at a really good resistance level for all the wheat markets. It has the reasons why it could run higher, but those reasons actually have to come to fruition. Until then, we might just be in a little bit of a short-term sideways trading pattern for a week or two until we can get some more fresh news. So we obviously saw a lot of different pre-report articles. Of course, FBN puts out uh, their prediction out of their members as far as what planting intentions are going to be this year. If your experience in the markets, how late can we go here into April and still get acres switched? Or is that more of a weather decision because it becomes too late to plant corn? Yeah, I think it is a weather decision. You know, my my memory just goes back to 2019 where it was so wet, 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 and people were going to do prevent plant. And all of a sudden the price of corn shot up high enough at the time that people mudded it in, even if it took until the middle of June, we got that crop planted. So there is definitely the potential for for crop and acreage shifting, but ultimately, yeah, Mother Nature is the factor right now. And of course, if new crop prices can continue to work higher, that would be a factor as well. But right now, I think Mother Nature is in the driver's seat. Naomi, as we switch away from some grain-related news, big announcement today was that OPEC once again cut production. And some folks are suggesting we might see crude oil push back up towards $100 per barrel. Do you think that's plausible at this point? Um, I think there's a lot of things going on with that crude oil market. So the OPEC announcement was definitely was a shocker. It allowed the market to have a breakaway gap higher last night. So the question is going to be, is that truly a breakaway gap higher and the market's just going to continue to search higher or are we going to see some back and fill action? Ultimately, though, if, if crude oil can stay above $80 from a technical perspective, it does open the door for $100 a barrel prices by summer. And you got to remember, too, all these countries, they know the seasonals of the market. They follow what's trading and, and things like that. And there's a really strong seasonal, just like corn and beans, that crude oil will rally. April 1st until the end of May. So I can't help but think that some of that OPEC announcement was timed perfectly with a seasonal rally anyway. So I'm mindful of that. Um, but yeah, I think that if they stick with the production cuts and if we continue to see overall energy demand stay strong because China is supposed to be having an increase in imports, of course they're running on all cylinders again, so their demand for energy is strong. I do think that we can see a seasonal rally higher. And again, the seasonal peak is pretty darn similar with corn and beans, or it'll be late May, early June when the futures prices finally peak out. But then, of course, we don't feel any relief at the pump until after 4th of July when it comes to energy. But yeah, I, I think that technically speaking, it can run higher, but that would only be good for corn prices, too. So now that you talk 4th of July, you got me thinking about barbecues. How did uh, livestock shape up today? Well, it was a quieter day for the livestock market. They finished a little lower. Last week, we had amazing cash prices. We had really strong um, cutout value prices last week. And that's 
helped to fuel the rally that the market had had. But when traders came into today, a couple of things they were looking at. Seasonally, we were at a time frame where we oftentimes see a little bit of a pullback for uh, fat cattle and feeder cattle prices. Also, the market was overbought, technically speaking, and we were back to retesting recent highs. So without any big news to drive it higher this morning, I think just a little bit of a pullback or a price correction is likely. Ultimately, fundamentals for cattle continue to be friendly overall. So it, it, we've been in a nice upward channel for over a year on daily charts. I think we can continue to see that, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see a little bit of a pullback here in the short term. Um, just some really strong range trading and technical trading and just need to see more confirmation of strong export demand and strong domestic demand. So a lot of moving parts there. Ultimately, big picture of the cattle market still is friendly. Yeah, I mean, what's the story when we turn our attention to dairy? It's not something we've talked about in a while. Yeah, so the dairy market right now has had a pretty equal balance of bullish and bearish news. So we know that milk production is is strong. Um, the February milk production report, which was the most recent report released, production again up 0.8%. And I think that's about six or seven months in a row that milk production overall continues to trend higher. Um, but what had been supporting the market was the spot cheese price. It had rallied substantially, and that was a part of the reason that milk was able to get up to near $20 for the class three market. And then cheese prices set back a little bit. So we saw the pullback happen for class three as well. Um, also what had been supportive to the milk market was the continuous rain in California. There was talk that over 70,000 um, head of, of dairy cows had been displaced. So that affected production there. We'll probably see that on future USDA reports. Um, but right now with um, dairy markets, $18 for class three milk futures seems to be pretty good support for the front month contracts. Don't have a reason right now to get above $20, uh, but we should hold steady here for a little bit. And our dairy exports just continue to be truly fantastic. And that's a bright uh, star for that market for sure. Well, Naomi, we come to quite a bit today. Another great Market Monday episode. If there's a headline we missed, don't be afraid to share it. Otherwise, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they've got questions? Yeah, feel free to give me a call at 800-334-9779. Or you can send me an email, naomi at totalfarmmarketing.com. there you go, Delaney, another good Market Monday behind us. A lot of good insight there to help our listeners start off their week on the right foot. Absolutely, Tanner. We're going to have other great conversations coming down the pipeline, though, this week that are going to be pertinent, I think, to our listeners as they head into planting season. So folks, do stay tuned for some other great conversations this week or follow along with us on social media at Ag News Daily. Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go. 